0: Good night, or good morning, I guess that's how it should be. I don't know what time you woke up. I woke up at midnight, I think. I think. So, anyway, it's so great to be back here. It really is. So many stories I can't wait to share with you guys. You bet. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you so much. 18 days in Nepal and Thailand. And just take your Bibles, though. Let's kind of tie this all into the book of Matthew. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 12. And as you do so, let me ask you a question here. Uh, what is God doing? What is he doing here and around the world? And the answer is this. He is building a family. Can you repeat that after me? He is what? a Building a family. That's true. Here's a picture of our biological family. Here's my wife and our three sons and also uh, Bridget. She just was part of our family, added to it. They got married. This is my earthly family, my temporary family, but guess what? You are my eternal family. And that, that's a big picture truth that we need to remember. We need to think about this because we're going to talk about it this morning. And, you know, in the Bible, uh, we're, we're, God is our heavenly father, right? We're, we're encouraged to pray, right? Matthew says, our father in heaven. And, and Jesus, he is our savior, but he's also our brother The book of Hebrews says this. Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. And as as believers, we have thousands of brothers and sisters. Some have gone on to glory. They're part of the family. Others are, are still with us. And we need to be thinking of that. Keep that in mind. Question, how do you enter the family of God? The answer is you must be born into the family of God. And that comes through faith. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 says this, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Through faith, we're born into God's family. For me, that was July 27, 1981, where I entered the family of God through faith, Did you know that every day around the world, 82,000 people, it's estimated, every single day put their faith in Jesus and are adopted into the family of God? Now question, does Jesus really see me as part of his family? And this is where we see this beautiful segue in into Matthew, this tender moment in Jesus' ministry. Look if you would, John chap- or Matthew chapter 12, look at verse 46. While Jesus was still talking, and we, we, we know what he was talking about when you were here last Sunday, to the crowd, his mother, so Mary shows up and his brothers. Jesus had half-brothers and half-sisters, and they stood outside wanting to speak to him. So Jesus' biological family shows up, Jesus always had a crowd around him, and someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And Jesus replied, look at, look at this. He says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? In other words, who is my family? Who are in my family? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Forever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. If Jesus were to just show up miraculously right now, he would look at you and he would say, this. Right here, this is my family. What is the evidence that we truly are part of God's eternal family? Jesus points out two birthmarks. If you're part of God's family, these birthmarks, these character traits will be true of your life. The first is that, that you, you're a disciple. You're a follower of Jesus. You see there in verse 49, Jesus pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Before I was part of God's family, I was a follower of Mark's. Agenda. But once I was brought into the family of God, my will was changed. And I'm 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 following Jesus now. And that's the the, the story of your life as well. Anyone who's part of God's family is following Jesus Christ. You're a disciple of Jesus. And the second trait is that you seek to do God's will in your life. Verse 50. Jesus says, Forever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. That's a family member in the family of God. You do God's will. Before I was in the family of God, I was seeking to do Mark's will, my agenda, my thing. And then Jesus is Lord of my life and part of God's family, and it's about God's will for my life. Not that we live that out perfectly, but it's the passion of our life. Something has changed where we're doing the will of God. Like like Jesus prayed in the garden. Remember what he said? He said, not my will, but yours be done. See, this is what God's doing all over the world. He's building a family. He's building a family of those who seek to follow him as a disciple and do the will of God. That's what he's doing all over the world. And like I shared, I just returned from this trip to Nepal and Thailand where I met all of our brothers and sisters that we have mission partnerships with. And, and, and these are men and women, your brothers and sisters, who are following Jesus and doing his will. And we traveled with uh, our family and part of the journey, which you're going to hear about in a little bit. Uh, that's James, my son, and Bridget, his wife, and Tracy, my wife. And, but for the rest of our time this morning, what I want to do is I want to tell you family stories. I want to introduce you to 12 of your brothers and sisters that are serving you in other countries and and just tell their stories, how they are following Jesus, how they are doing God's will. And I believe that the Lord is going to speak to you through all of them, but there's probably one that was really designed by the Holy Spirit this morning as we've been in his presence that God wants you to hear from this morning so your life can be changed. Let's go to the country of Nepal first. Nepal is a small country, sandwiched between China and India, two of the largest countries in terms of population in the world. It's just 29 million. Uh, The capital is Kathmandu, just 1 million people there. 81% are Hindu, 10% Buddhist, 4% Islam, 2% are Christian. But more people are turning to Christ per capita in this small country than any place on the planet, and that's why I wanted to go there and find out why. And see from my own eyes. In April of 2015, a massive earthquake hit Nepal, 7.8 magnitude. 9,000 people, uh, their lives were extinguished, died. 600,000 homes were destroyed. Hundreds of schools and temples and churches were destroyed. There's rubble all over uh, Nepal. And I begin to ask 82% are Hindu. What are the Hindus doing? The Hindus are ministering to Hindus. What are the Buddhists doing? The Buddhists will reach out to only Buddhists. The Muslims are only reaching out to the Muslims. But the Christians are reaching out to everyone with the love of God. And it's transforming this nation. Why do you love us? You're not even part of our religion. Because God loves you. People are turning to Jesus in Nepal. It's amazing. Here's a church I gave you a greeting from a couple weeks ago where I was preaching. This church is on fire. They are very poor. The average salary of a worker in Nepal is just $80 a month. It's less than $1,000 a year that they make. But they are rich spiritually on fire for Jesus. Um, Here's another picture we handed out at that service at the end. A Seas candy that the Warren family donated. Uh, Warren Racing, thank you very much for that. And and they had never tasted C's candies before, and this little baby's like not letting that baby go. <laughs> just saying, Jesus is good, Jesus is good. You know, and just loving, it was just awesome, it was fun. Let me introduce you to sister your sister in the Lord, her name is Santee. Santee is the one next to my wife, Tracy, the pastor's wife. She is the fireball evangelist in the family. And, and I asked her, I go, how do you do evangelism, Santi? for you? Do you go door to door? I mean, what does this look like? And she goes, she said this to me. She goes, the, I wait uh, at home until the phone rings, and then I go and pray for people. I, I said, well, explain that. She said, well, because people worship false gods, demons, all throughout Nepal, there's great sickness with people. Um, they go to witch doctors, but they can't help. They actually make things worse. Eventually, they become so desperate, they cry out to Christians and ask someone to come and pray. And so I get phone calls from people in our church, and then I get deployed to go pray for people who are sick. I said, what kind of sickness? She said everything, throat sickness, bone marrow, intestinal issues, when someone's unfertile, when there's great headaches. I said, can you give me an example? She said, yeah, just two weeks ago, for example, I went uh, to a man, uh, an unbeliever who couldn't walk. He had problems with his knees, and I prayed for him for three hours, and God healed him. He began walking, and he turned his life to Jesus. Not only he, but his entire household of nine people turned to Christ, you see, in a land that's worshiping idols Jesus heals, he is the supreme God, it gets their attention, and they turn to Christ. And this, her ministry is a ministry of prayer, and she's an evangelist, and this is what's going on in Paul. This is how people are turning to Jesus in Paul. I go and pray for people. This is your church family, your sister speaking to you. There's power in prayer. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, I thought about this verse, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful. Let me introduce you to Sister Guyana. She's raised a Hindu. Um, Her husband couldn't walk, and Christians prayed for him, and he was healed. She saw this. She surrendered her life to Jesus Christ. That was the first time she ever heard the name of Jesus was in that prayer. And she walked uh, a far distance to where those Christians had come who had prayed for her to visit a thing called the church, which she never knew existed. And she walked in, and she saw the love, and she heard the music, and she couldn't believe this. She was overjoyed, but there was no church in her area. She had an inheritance. It was her property that she was given from her family, handed down. She sacrificed her entire inheritance to build the church that I preached in, the Ephraim church, so that church could be planted. And since then, that church has now planted three other churches. And she said to me, I have chosen to serve God with all I have. And they make $80 a month. This inheritance was huge. And I thought about Luke 21, verse 4, the widow's might. She, out of all her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And I said, Lord, am I giving like my sister? Brother Chandra, let me introduce you to him. Raised a Buddhist and a Hindu. Both of his parents died when he was just a boy. He was an orphan. But missionaries took him in and shared the gospel with him. He prayed to receive Christ. And then they they helped him find a, a good boarding school. He was a top student. He graduated with honors. He went on to get an engineering degree, a very successful businessman, became involved in politics, so much so that the prime minister, they knew each other, and he was being mentored by the prime minister to become a leader in that country. Life was going well. He was volunteering at his church. He was a believer, but one day an American uh, a missionary that Larry and I know, a guy named Vernon Brewer, looked at Chandra's life and the gifts of this man and the talent of this man and challenged Chandra, looked him in the eye and says, Chandra, you're a man of amazing gifts. I challenge you to give all of your gifts to God full time. And he was just floored by that. And Chandra went to his wife and they held hands and they prayed over this decision to serve God full time, give all that I have to, to the Lord. And Chandra said, yes, Lord, I will serve you full time by giving you all my talent, all my time. I wonder who God is speaking to right now who's saying, you need to lay down your career for me and give your gifts to serve me fully. Be my disciple. You've been hearing God's voice for a while. It's time for a transition to be made in your life as God's speaking to you. Ephesians 6, 7 says, serve the Lord with all your heart, not just part of your heart, all of your heart. What is God saying to you? Let me introduce you to Sister Manya. She was raised a Hindu and possessed by a very powerful demon. Everywhere we went, there's demon possession. It's so normal there. I know it's not the norm here. There's reasons for that. When you worship Satan, he shows up. Praise God for the United States. That is one nation under God. I know things are crumbling, but we do not worship Satan overtly like in these countries where I'm at. But he shows up when you worship him. At age 19, she married, uh, and when she got pregnant, this demon attacked her. She began shaking and falling on the ground. She didn't know what was happening. Her family sent her to witch doctors. Only things got worse. Her family didn't distance themselves from her. Her husband turned to drinking, beating her. At delivery, her Hindu family refused to take her to the hospital. They put her in a room in the house. They wanted her to die. This is her family. She gave birth to a dead baby all by herself, but she lived. She became pregnant again, and her husband continued to beat her. After three months of her pregnancy, she ran away to her parents so the second baby wouldn't die from her husband's beating. She gave birth to a little boy. But at, at 13 days old, the Hindus did a ritual on the boy by killing a rooster Slaying its blood. This is a ritual dedication of a newborn child. And the demon possession went even deeper in her life. She began screaming, clawing herself. She could eat food cooked for nine people. Her parents had to lock her in her room. One day she wanted to, she said this with tears, kill her baby and suck out its blood. But her family stopped her. One day a Christian said, You need to have Christians pray for you. She went to church. She went forward at the altar call but began screaming uncontrollably and she went home. The next time, the church was ready. <laughs> as she came forward, the elders surrounded her. She came forward, she began screaming. A voice came out of her being, that demon, saying, I will kill all of you and drink your blood. After hours of this praying, she confessed Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. She fell down in weakness. And never since has that demon come back and attacked her. I know this sounds crazy, and I'm leaving out a lot of details, but it's the truth. Pastor Chandra was the pastor of the church, and he confirmed this whole story. Um, since that moment, she's taken her story in the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone. Look at her face. She is an evangelist. She goes, it's amazing. She has led more than 500 people personally to Christ. Entire villages are turning to Jesus through her life. I asked her. I said, uh, "Manya, what is your dream?" She said, "My dream is to serve the Lord full time in sharing the gospel." <laughs> I said, "You're doing that. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation." She's doing that. Are we? Am I? Let me take you to Western Thailand, a place called San Uh We landed uh, in Bangkok. We took a seven. Uh, our uh, ride in a van to St. Um This is the uh, capital of uh, Thailand, is Bangkok. We're ta- Thailand is 95% Buddhist, Christianity at 1%. It's, it's a very beautiful area. As you'll see here, a picture, Tracy and I. I mean, gorgeous where we're going. And yet, there, Buddha worship is everywhere. Idol worship is everywhere. You can see right here. A picture of uh, different people. Just this is happening all over Thailand. Worshipping idols. There are some large bugs in Thailand, as you can see right there. Um, That's not a real bug. Come on now. I'm just joking with you a little bit. A little levity here. But they do have big geckos. I mean, look, that's the light in the hotel. Uh, I guess he's sun tanning or something like that. Let me introduce you to Brother bao He's a dear friend. I've known bao for 10 years. God has used this man greatly to bring the first church to St. Claiborne, uh, which we helped establish. Uh, he's planted dozens of churches since that time. He really brought the gospel to this area. He shared 10 years ago a story that I'd never heard, and he shared with me that when he began his church at 18 people, um, they decided to have a children's outreach, and again, a Buddhist-dominated area. And they're reaching out in the name of Christ to children. And the Buddhist authorities heard about this. They came, the police, they arrested all 18 adults, hauled them off to jail. I said, what did you do in jail? He goes, we began to sing. We began to sing really loud. They sang so loud praises, choruses in jail, outside the jail, all the Buddhist community is hearing it. They knock on the jail door and say, please send those people home. And they did. They went home. He said, we sang so loud they let us go. I thought, that is so awesome. This is your brothers and sisters. And I thought about Acts 16, 25. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And a jailbreak happened. You know, what, 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 is there praise that needs to come from our lives? And what chains will fall as we do so? Are you praising the Lord? What bondage is God wanting to break in your own life? What is He wanting to do in our lives as we praise Him? I look at my sisters and brothers and I go, Lord, wake me up. Let me be like that, Jesus. Let me introduce you to Brother Chi. He grew up in Myanmar near Rangoon in a strong Buddhist family. Uh, His family forced him, his dad did, to worship 27 dead spirits by eating specific food offerings. And here is a picture of a Buddhist food offering literally being offered to gods, small g gods. And if Chi uh, violated these offerings by eating pork, for example, the spirits would attack him. He would become violently sick in his stomach. He'd have headaches. He'd vomit. In fear of these 27 spirits, he literally ran away from his dad and his family. He's been gone for 12 years. And he found himself being led to a place called Three Pagoda Pass. And there just happened to be this thing called the Christmas Outreach. He didn't know what it was. He never heard of Jesus. He went there because he heard there was free food. And when he got there, we supported this Christmas Outreach. We sent money to it. And Baoji was preaching. And that's when he first heard the name Jesus. For the next three years, he found himself working in Baoji's sewing factory, which is really a disciple factory, studying God's word. And finally, he places his faith in Jesus. He's now one of Baoji's church planners that we support. His vision, what's your vision, I asked him. And he said, my vision is go back to my family and plant the first church where I grew up. Right now he's being trained in a safe place with Bauji, learning how to plant churches so we can go back to his family. And I thought about Mark 5, 19. Go home, Jesus said to your family, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. It's very easy for us to think, you know, hey, go to Asia or go somewhere to share the gospel. But you know where it starts is with our family, it starts with, are you praying for a mom or a dad or a brother or sister or an uncle to come to Jesus? This man is being trained to go back to a place that, frankly, I think he's a little freaked out Out. Twelve years he's been away, but his vision is to go there. Are we being trained to reach family for Jesus Christ? This is a challenge. Let me take you to northern Thailand, Chiang Rai. This is uh, where our church has helped build a training center. Um, And you'll see that right now uh, in the northern part of Thailand. Here's all the Chinese pastors and our team down below. That's the training center in the background. Myself, Tracy, James, Bridget, Barnabas is there. We had a lot of fun in Thailand as well. We took one day an elephant trip and we found this on the kind of the road. You can tell I'm overjoyed, right, with that? Yeah. And, well, I was a little freaked out because it started slithering up toward my face, and then all of a sudden, though, my son comes in to the rescue, and and that puts a smile on me because I know if it's going to bite someone, it's going to bite James, not me. And uh, so, yeah, okay. Let me introduce you to Mama. Oh, she's 76 years old. I adopted her as my Chinese mother. She adopted me as her American son. And we got, we we had so much fun, Uh, and the conference ended on Thursday night, the joke all the time was, on Friday I'm moving in, Mama, and she said, good, because I love to cook and I can tell you like to eat. And uh, so on on Thursday, the last day of the conference, I presented her with this picture of me and her hugging, and I said, see, I'm moving in, you put this on your wall, never leave. And uh, we just had so much fun together. You know, uh, Mama came to Jesus in 1994 in, in much pain. Her husband left her. By the way, you've had a husband or wife leave you. This isn't the end. It can just be the beginning. God can take something so dark and difficult, and make it so beautiful if we've got our eyes on Jesus. She couldn't even read at the time she came to know Jesus or write. But she learned and then she fell in love with God and his word and she grew in her faith. She planted a church. In 1997, where she remains serving to this very day. She has so much energy, so much joy. And she's at the conference, she's pointing around. She goes, you see that pastor over there, Mark? Came through my church. See that other one? I raised him. See that other one? I'm like, are you serious? So I said to her, I said, Mama, what do you say when people say to you, you are too old to be a pastor, you should retire? I just wanted to hear what she'd say. And she said, you are never too old to serve. As long as I have life, I will serve the Lord. It is the joy of my life thought, oh, I need to be like mama more. Galatians 6, 9, let, nothing, let, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. No matter if God's given you life, don't give up. Serve him. It's the joy of life. Let me introduce you to Brother G.I. Joe. You wonder why I call him G.I. Joe? You're going to find out in a second. By the way, why are we holding our hands like that? See his ring finger? It was cut off in a knife fight. You're going to hear about that. He grew up in a Christian home, attending church with his family, but he didn't accept Jesus, pushed Jesus away, quit school at 15, due to his family having very little money. He went out and worked in a factory. The factory kind of put him up in this kind of a slum, really, where he was living. Every time he got a paycheck, gangs would come in, beat him up, take his paycheck, and that went on for a year. Finally, he knew Kung Fu. He said, let's form our own gang. Then, and they, got, they had knives and they had metal rods and uh, they, they the the gang shows up and 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 GI Joe they beat that gang up and next time they retaliated then the, the other gang came in and they beat Joe's gang up bad the third time Joe was really prepared got his guys ready and and they put the gang leader in a coma for 40 days and Joe became the number one gang leader for this whole region. He would grow his gang to a size of 100. They would steal from the rich and keep it for themselves. (laughs) He became a debt collector. His gang would investigate affairs. He would keep certain bidders away from bidding on jobs. He became so good at what he did, the police began using him to solve certain crimes for a price. Life was good. He had money, had everything, Uh, he walked into a restaurant, everything was paid for. Everything was free, except he wasn't free. He felt lonely, there was no peace, he could trust no one, there was this emptiness. And one day, his family invited him to come home. He came home, walked in the door, and surprised, there was his entire church family sitting there. And they said, we've waited for you all day, you need to come to church for two hours. Reluctantly, he went. When he went in that church, they started playing music, he started weeping the more they st- he's saying I'm a gang member I never cried and here I am in church and I'm crying he cried so hard he had this jacket on his knife fell out and on the floor with a clank and he said no one criticized me well no one would criticize you <laughs> anyway but uh, you know uh, so he on his way home he, he throws his knife away and he cries out to God he says God if you're real you've got to change my heart if you can give me a Bigger passion for your church and serving you than serving that gang, then do it. And God did right there. He never went back to that gang. He, he actually fled to a different area for three months to just get right with God. Then he went back to his family, sat his mom and dad down and said, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going I'm to serve him. And his parents said, oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. He was the number one gang leader and he protected them. And he's like, you know, don't take this Jesus thing so seriously, you know, son. They'll put you, they'll persecute you. They'll throw you in jail. And Joe goes, really? He, he kind of liked that idea. He's a gang leader. He liked the, the t- challenge. Well, he didn't want to jeopardize his family, so he moved away. He went on a three-year preaching reaching people for Christ, planning churches tour. Finally, he hears his home church. Persecution breaks out. They arrest the pastor, throw him in jail. He goes back to that church, pastors that church, plants another church. He's reaching people for Jesus Christ. The guy is on fire for Christ. He comes to our conference. He's the only pastor that came to this conference with 18 other pastors he's mentoring. All of those 18 pastors were interrogated by police to get out of China And none of them gave up Joe. And they're all sitting there, and he had his cheering squad, man. It was unbelievable. Now this guy is a gang leader for Jesus. I threw my life away, and I'm a gang leader for Jesus. Whatever you've got going on in your life, whatever background you've got, Jesus will take you if you'll lay down your knife and follow him. I love the verse, what the Bible says here in, come follow me. And once they left their nets and followed him, you got to leave your old life to follow Jesus. Is God calling you to lay something down, to come to this altar this morning? Maybe we didn't have an altar call. And lay it down here and start to be used by God for his glory, like Joe. Brother Lou, let me introduce you to him, 46 years old. You'll notice he's a, a shorter man. He said, I was hopeless, because of my height. I was so short, the government of China would not allow me, not allow me because he didn't reach the standard, to attend high school or college. I went to church at age 10, and there, a man took me under his wings and began to disciple him. He trusted Christ. He, he, he was invited to attend, actually, a Bible college, and became an evangelist to the minority areas, sharing the gospel. And he was out passing tracts out one day, the gospel, and he was arrested, taken into uh, jail. He was beaten severely, he said. His clothes were taken except for his shorts. He was sent out to do hard labor in the freezing cold. He was beaten so often, so hard, he said he was just, blood was coming out of his mouth constantly. He said, but God protected me because there was a, a very large man, a warden of the jail, very mean, and he would come around with a high-powered electric rod and beat but also shock. Uh, a translator told me that can kill people. But every time he came to Joe, zzz, zzz, he'd come to Joe and, try to, and, and it wouldn't work, <laughs> and it enraged the guy and, and, and enraged the guards, and he's saying, God protected me. He became a model prisoner there, and he won the hearts of the guards. He would wash up to 50 people's laundry. He was a servant. He began to lead people to Christ. He said the only problem was in jail. There was no water. I couldn't baptize anyone. (laughs) I asked Lou, I said, what was the greatest lesson you learned while in prison? He said, even though there are barriers, it won't stop me from sharing God's love. I said, wow, this is the church speaking, your brothers and sisters, what barriers are you facing? Are you using them as an excuse? 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. That's Lou. Let me talk to you about Sister Winnie. Wow. At age 17, she's the one next to my wife, Tracy. She was the first person in her family to accept Christ. She loved music, and she went to this thing called the church. And there the music softened her heart. She heard the message. She surrendered her life to Jesus. Her church challenged 70 young adults to take a one-way ticket to the northeast part of China where there were no believers, no churches. And the challenge was to plant a church or die trying. She said, I will go. They went out in groups of two to three. She would go in and build relationships with people and start these house churches. She stayed there for three years living on $100 and, and, and the goodwill of people and God providing through those who took her in. They went with this slogan, don't be afraid of persecution or death and go with God's love. She is part of a house church movement in China that is now $10 million people strong and growing because of their extreme boldness and willingness to die if necessary for Jesus Christ Jesus said this Luke 9 23 if anyone would come after me you must deny himself take up his cross and follow me wow I'm moved by that blown away by that brother Wu 60 years old I should say 60 years young right next to me grew up believing in nothing because atheism is the doctrine of China. At age 30, he, a pastor came to his house, and this pastor stayed two weeks, lived in their house, taught their entire family the gospel the first time he'd ever heard the name of Jesus. And his entire family believed, and his entire family right now are serving God. They began to serve God. He, this guy has no formal training, but he had so much fire in his heart, he started preaching and evangelizing, and in one year, he started 10 house churches the police he was their number one guy and they're coming after him and they arrested him multiple times interrogated him continually he was arrested so often he said he basically was homeless on the run or in jail he went to jail dozens of times he spent a total of four years five months in prison just for preaching jesus christ He said to me, as you can see, I'm a frail man, but God has protected me while in jail. The police would ask me, are you a Christian? I'd say, yes. Then they would say, we've heard that you can sing. Do you sing? And he said, yes. And they said, sing for us. And he had this beautiful voice. And he would sing hymns in prison. And the guards gave him favor. He said, no guard ever beat me. I was arrested, but I was never beaten because I I was able to sing. And he leads all sorts of people to Christ in prison. He had so much favor with the guards. They'd give him the worst prisoners, and he'd share the gospel with them, and they'd give him a room to go and pray with these guys. And he became a chaplain, so to speak. He went to prison so often that, that literally he would show up into prison, he'd walk in and say to all of the prisoners, Hi, I'm a Christian, take whatever you want. Because <laughs> in prison, that's the first thing they do. You know, they're going to beat you up or whatever. he just take whatever you want. And he would win the hearts of prisoners and have this ministry there. I asked Wu this question. I said, what would you say if someone said to you, God doesn't really love you? I mean, look at all the times he's sent you to prison and you've been in jail. And he said this to me. He said, I would say it's really a blessing and rewarding to suffer for Jesus. You need to know, um, I mean, I'm interviewing these guys and then preaching, you know, during breaks, I'm interviewing these stories, and I get up one time to preach. I just looked at them, and I, I just started weeping, five minutes behind the pulpit. And I, I just said, I've seen so many movies with soldiers. I said, you are the greatest soldiers I've ever met. I said, I wish I had time to spend with each of you. One day with each of you, I just wash your feet. God's church is beautiful. The Church of China. It's absolutely beautiful. The church around the world is beautiful. The true church. I'm talking about those filled with the Holy Spirit. Part of God's family who are doing His will. Not fakers. Those surrendered to Jesus Christ where He's Lord. It's exciting. It's thrilling. Are you part of that? I look at Acts 5.41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to suffer disgrace for his name. And this is woo. There's so much of a smile on this guy constantly at his age. 60 years old. Let me bring you to Brother Nan. When he was 13, his dad was completely paralyzed and Christians prayed uh, over his dad and he saw his dad literally walk in front of his eyes, healed. And seeing that, at 13, he surrendered his life to Christ and began teaching in the church. He went to Bible college and then began to serve as a pastor. In the year 2000, he went to this migrant area where he was arrested by police uh, and beaten. And I asked him, I said, "Um, how did that make you feel? That you were beaten literally by police. And You know, he just said, plan his church. I want to plan his church. What's the biggest lesson you've learned over all these years in all of this? Plan his church. He was happy rejoicing over what is happening in his life, being beaten, but plant the church of Jesus Christ is the greatest thing this man has learned in the midst of all he's been through. I thought about Jesus and what he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Wow. And this is what Jesus is doing all over the world. Three crosses. I just need to take a moment and look you in the eye and just say, this is an amazing church. It's incredible. Do you know that we in our missions program support 540 every month pastors like we are talking about? All over the world, where thousands of churches are planted in a year, tens of thousands, over a hundred thousand turn to Jesus Christ to save your Lord because of your giving, because of your praying, because of us going. Keep giving, going, praying. Get involved in the game if you're not. I love this church. I love the church, Jesus, and we all do. And it's great moments like this on a Sunday where we can just go, Hallelujah, Lord. For what you're doing. This is the picture to me that summarizes the church victory! Yes, sometimes in the midst of great pain and suffering, but there's great victory. This is the picture that the Church of China sends to you their gratitude, their love for you. Thank you for praying, thank you for supporting them. (laughs) What's God doing? He's building the family. He's building a family. Are you part of the family? I mean, are you really part of the family? For years, you need to understand, I just came to this church and I sat up there. I wasn't part of the family. If I would have died, I would have gone to hell. Honestly. I mean, truly, is this just coming to church? Is this a motion for you? Or has the Lord transformed you spiritually and are you born again through faith are you part of the family of God? You say, how can that take place? What does the Bible say? Yet to all who receive him, as there been a point you've received him? Believing in his name, he gave the right to become a child of God. Children not born of natural descent. This isn't a physical thing or of human decision, but born of God through faith. How does it all end? You thought about how does history end, so to speak? The Bible tells us clearly. It ends with a family. A family. Are you part of that family? After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude. This is the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible. There's this great multitude. This is the family that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. This is the family of God from every nation, people, language, Are you going to be there? (laughs) Are you going to be there? I pray so. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. For your glorious family, you are our Heavenly Father, Jesus, our Savior, our brother. Lord, you're wanting to do a work right now in our lives you want us to respond to oh, a Holy Spirit we've been singing about your presence and your presence is here we felt you and we're feeling you now and you're moving and you're wanting to change our lives it's not about playing church you're building a family you're building a kingdom you're bringing this gospel to this world and one day history is going to wrap up in the family of God that will live eternally in glory and some of us need to wake up we need to get with you Stop playing games. If you're here and you don't know Christ, you want to join the greatest family, this is your opportunity. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You can pray a prayer like this. Be honest with God. No more games. Just be honest. God, I'm a sinner. I don't know you. I'm not part of your family. Right now, take my life. I put my faith in you, Jesus Bring me into your family. Be my heavenly father. Transform my life. And you know, when he, and that miracle has happened right now if by faith you've trusted Christ. And you know, the miracles don't stop when you become a Christian. They just begin. What is God saying to you this morning? What is he, how does he want you to respond to him? Do you need to come forward to this altar this morning and lay something before him? Like Joe, do you need to lay your knife down? Do you need to walk? Put, get up out of your seat, walk here. I'm going to invite you to come forward. If God is doing a work in your life, you come forward. Whatever it is, you can lay right here, just right down here as we're worshiping. And that act, God will see and God will work and do a work in your life. We'll pray for you. Or you can come here and just pray by yourself however the Spirit leads. But some of you, some of you are young people here. You need to surrender your life to the Lord and say, not my will, but yours be done. Let me be your disciple, your follower. Some of you, you're just giving little bits to God. It needs to be more. And the Lord's speaking to you. What story this morning from your brother or sister spoke to you? Respond to the Lord, the living God. Feel his power at work in your life. You come forward. Come to Him. Let's stand and worship and come to Him if God is leading you.